You're listening to Between Two Bridges, a business-to-business podcast. With your hosts, Anthony R. Destiny, Joe Ferrani, and Jerry Kenna. Interviewing entrepreneurs, business operators, and investors. This episode of Between Two Bridges is sponsored by Paymark Payroll. Payday is the most important day to your most important people. And Payday is made easy at www.payyourpeople.com. Alrighty, let's get started. We have another episode of Between Two Bridges. I'm your co-host, Anthony Ardestiny. To my left, Joe Ferrani and Jerry Kenna. So we're here talking with the, the best of the best, business owners and alike, talking about successes, failures, what it, what it kind of takes to be successful, things like that. But uh, definitely the nicest dress guest we've had <laughs> so far. But would you, uh, I'll you take like that to as a introduce compliment. yourself, sir? Sure. Uh, my name is Ronco Coza. I am the founder and managing partner of the Coza Law Group. We are a business and entertainment law firm. Uh, we're licensed, God, where are we licensed now? Uh, Pennsylvania, New York, Tennessee, Florida, and West Virginia. I mean, I've been practicing law going on 21 years. Okay. So, uh, owned businesses, sold businesses, uh, partnered in other businesses, but the law is truly my profession and love. So, married, three kids. I don't know what else you want to know about me. Grew up north of Pittsburgh, live in the South Hills. So, it's pretty much me in a nutshell. Okay. <laughs> Where's the family from? Let's uh, start at the beginning here. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in Newcastle. Uh, okay. My wife grew up in Chartres Valley. And now we both, we live in Chartres Valley now. My daughters go there. My son's in college at Westminster. He's actually going to law school next year. I just took his LSATs. are waiting on the scores there. So, hopefully, uh, he wants to go to Duquesne where I went as well. So, yeah. I'm hoping that uh, he gets in and becomes a legacy there. You don't wear your red ring? What's that? You don't wear your red ring? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was I was one of those guys, like, I never bought a class ring. I just it. didn't. Okay. It wasn't my thing. Like, I, yeah. so many, and it was funny, because when I was in law school, everybody told me, get a class ring. Most of the judges in Pittsburgh are yeah. from Duquesne. If they see that ring, I'm like, ah. That's, that's just not me. Like, that's bullshit. Like, it's just not, Playboy it's not magazine, how I operate. It was in Playboy Magazine, that ring. The red ring from really? Duquesne was one of the most recognizable class rings. Oh. I mean, it is recognizable. School. I mean, yeah. you can yeah. see it from a distance. I just, plus I was cheap. I'm like, I, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I don't have any money. Like, I'm not going right. to waste money on a, on a class ring. It just wasn't yeah. for me. Like, I got like, the t-shirt. The We're good. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, don't, I had a sweatshirt from the law school. I think that was the last thing I had from there, so... I was, uh, it was not my thing. I didn't even have one from college, to be honest with you. Hopefully you, know? you get a lot more gear in there soon when your son's there. I know, right. so he better, that's, a good, that's a good point. He better bring some good gifts home. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, family of lawyers, or how'd you get into that? No, I know one start? Are you uh, getting in trouble and needed <laughs> No, I, I, so growing up, I was a smart kid, right? Yeah. So when I was young, I got tested, you know, I was in the gifted program, but I was, I loved logic games. So I was okay. always like this logical thinker. I loved to solve problems, and I love to talk my way out of things. <laughs> so I just I just gravitated towards the law. But I also looked at 
like I knew I never wanted to be just a lawyer. It was mm-hmm. about entrepreneurship. I loved like when I was a kid, I started businesses, sold baseball cards, did all these different things. And I said, you know, the law was kind of a means to an end. It always gave me something to do and fall back on, but I knew I could also start a business with it. So I just, I think in high school is kind of when I figured it out. I ended up going to W and J, Washington Jefferson College, majored in psychology. Oh. And actually fell in love with psychology when I was there. And it was probably my junior year. I decided, you know, I think I'm going to go to grad school for a psych- I want to be a child psychologist. So I took my GREs and I said, let- I'm going to let fate decide. And I said, if I get into grad school, I'm going to be a psychologist. If I don't, that means I'm meant to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I applied and I got waitlisted. So I took a year off after college, worked as a personal trainer for a year, took my LSATs and went to law school. And the rest was history. Right. So no other lawyers in my family. I'm the only one. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you the only one with a black belt? I am, yeah. <laughs> Although my, my youngest daughter, she's in Taekwondo now, okay. um, and she's a green belt, so yeah. she will eventually be a black belt, but okay. I can still take her now. She's not, <laughs> she's not, she's not big enough yet, but yeah, it was... Um, What's the interest there? Just the discipline? or Yeah, uh, yeah. it was. Like I, I, so yeah. I took karate when I was younger, and then I got back into that in my 30s when I had my first daughter. Mm. Um, and I just loved it. I needed something different. Like I liked working out. I liked doing different things, but... The Taekwondo, one, it was the discipline of it. Yeah. Two, it's just I use different parts of my body. Like working out, lifting weights and running, like you use certain muscles. Like kicking and punching someone, totally different. <laughs> right. And I, you know, there was one kid in my class, he's, he was now, he's in his 30s now, but I ended up being a mentor to him when he was younger and we would just like beat the shit out of each other. Because yeah. it was like in Taekwondo, you're not supposed to like it spar hard, but him and I would just go at it. And that's <laughs> what I loved about the competitive nature of it too. And I wish, you know, I stopped once I got really busy in my career, but it's something I contemplate getting back into now that my daughter's back into. I just don't have the time right now, unfortunately. Let's talk about the time you spend, I guess, these yeah. days. So uh, you obviously got into this business. Could you maybe start at the beginning there? Do you remember... Yeah, I mean, first day out of, I guess, what, law school yeah, at that yeah. point? <laughs> yeah, I, um, what are we doing? It? So I worked, I worked at a big law firm. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, in law school, you kind of, what, 21, 22? I was out, no, I was 20. Later? I was 24. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, about 24. Because okay. the way law school works, you know, your first year is really all that matters because that kind of gives you your class rank. So in law school, you want to be in the top 20, what's called law review. Yeah. Because yeah. then you get you get the big job. If you don't, you don't get the big job. I was number right. 12 in the class, so I got a job at a big firm. Nice. Worked there as a summer. They offered me a position, started working there out, uh, out of law school, passed the bar exam. Worked there for about a year, but I only worked for two partners exclusively. So it was like two people that just took under their wings. I worked for them. They left the firm. I was like, well, what the fuck? Like, I mean, I didn't like working for anybody else. I'm like, let me give it another month or two and see if I liked working for anybody else. I didn't, so I just quit. I just resigned. And then a month later, I ended up going in-house and working in a corporation. Uh, I started out as corporate counsel, got promoted to general counsel, and I was there for 14 years. So I worked out, you know, I ran the legal department of a large IT firm for 14 years. Got to travel the world, been to Israel, India, Eastern Europe, like all on someone else's dime, which was awesome. Yeah. But I hated it. <laughs> I, I mean, I did. It was just, yeah. I had no control. Like I had, uh, I was okay. answering to someone. I knew all the problems in the organization and things that needed fixed, but no one would listen to the lawyer. Mm. Like yeah. I was the only executive that lasted through a bunch of different management changes, but no one would make, no one would make a change that I saw needed. So I was like, you know what? I'm done. 2018, I just, a new CFO took over. They, the one CFO who was there before this guy, close friend of mine, great guy, only guy I thought that knew what he was doing, they fired him. 
it was a PE firm that owned us. They fired us coming. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then the new CFO came in and uh, I, t- I remember going home one day. I told my wife, I said, I'm resigning. Like just decided one day, I said, I'm done, I'm resigning. And she's like, I've been waiting for you to say that. I knew that was coming. Oh, that convo went okay? Is, yeah, I mean, yeah. She, I mean my, honestly, my wife's my biggest cheerleader. I mean, she yeah. has always been there. Like she supported me no matter what I've done. And she just knew like that was, she knew that that was in me. And then I walked in like, when he came into town and resigned and, that was it. And it was like this moment where I thought it was going to be this like cinematic moment. It was just like, huh, okay, now what? So I, you know, gave <laughs> did them you feel weight lifted. You know, I, I didn't. That's no, the thing. Like I thought yeah. I was going to go, like I was so pumped. Like, yes, I'm like, fuck these guys. I'm out. <laughs> Jamming out and, the car. You know, and it was, I went in there and said it and I walked back into my office and my assistant at the time was there and I'm like, I'm done in four weeks. And she was like crying because she worked with me for 10 years and, yeah. Um, it was this moment where like, okay, like I got to figure it out now. And I, you know, gave my four weeks. We went on a, actually a family cruise. I came back and I said, okay. And I consulted with them for about a year because they didn't have any transition plan or succession plan. But it was kind of that moment where I'm like, oh shit, like what did I do? Yeah. You know, it's like you're making good money, multiple six figures, health insurance, you know, all the benefits to literally zero. Like wake up first of the month, zero. And I had to figure it out. And it's just... Yeah. That's what happened. And I just started, you know, I was involved in some other stuff like speaking and other businesses. And then finally in 2019, I said, you know, I'm concentrating full time on the law. So I'm going to I'm going to build this and see what I can do. And that's when I incorporated the firm July 1st of 2019. And four years later, you know, there's 10 of us. So yeah. it's been a wild ride. It's a pretty, definitely. pretty quick growth. <laughs> yeah. Faster than I anticipated. Like when I started, I was going to be a solo practitioner, like have a yeah. small like lifestyle firm. Where I'm just like, okay, like I make enough money to have fun, live my life like I want. Then I kept seeing opportunities. And then when COVID hit, it's like, huh, I can play offense while everybody else is playing defense. Yeah. And I just started playing offense and just going after the bigger clients and got a couple of big clients and then hired my first full-time associate who's now a partner of mine. And we've just grown and we've just tried to carve out a different niche of the way we operate. And I mean, the past two years and even this year, we'll probably grow about 52% year over year. So we've been growing like crazy and it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot. It's hard to manage sometimes. There are many days where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> just figure it out every day. Well, you could probably use like that last company as a little bit of a roadmap for you because yeah. you saw so many flaws there. Yeah. You know, I, I did that in my personal life. I was like, these are all the things I'd change mm-hmm. if I ever got a chance to do it myself. And then, you know, you got the chance. So yeah, it's, it's a good point cool. because I think, I think it was, you know, there, I don't really like put that in the forefront of my mind, but I do think that played a big role in just seeing how poorly an organization can be run and how poorly exactly. But it's true because I mean, yeah. it's exactly. Nah, it was, the red tape and the yeah. overhead, it's like, man. It was no accountability a, was a problem. It's yeah. like, you know, no one was, yeah. you were supposed to, if you're a salesperson, you were supposed to generate X. And if you didn't, they're like, well, they tried. I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to work, you know? And they were all making ridiculous salaries and the commission on top was just a gravy. So, no one was really, you know, if you're making a $200,000 salary as a salesperson and you can do another 100000 in commission, do they really care about that? Like, and that's the thing I said. I said, cut every salaries in half and give them a $400,000 commission plan. Yeah. I guarantee you sales will go up. Yeah. No one wanted to do that. So that's how I just learned. That's why the way we compensate, I'll pay you a base enough to, to survive. Live. But if you want to crush it, like you've got to crush it. Like yeah. I know how to do it. You've got to do it yourself. So that's kind of that. That is actually why I built the compensation plan. Yeah. That's a good point. I always look at when I'm working with, when I'm dealing with my employees. 
because uh, I never worked in a public accounting firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked in corporate accounting, but never in a public accounting firm where I was working with multiple clients. Now, I worked with other small accounting firms, like peers, but I'm at the point now where I've outgrown all the people yeah. that I work with, so I'm dealing with things that they never dealt with. <laughs> Uh, so I'm in a whole new territory now that I struggle with. But whenever I'm dealing with employees, I always go back to that where, you know, I've had some micromanagers over the years and people that just, you know, passive aggressive mm-hmm. comments, you know, bosses that are just, you know, they won't be straight with you and just have yeah. a conversation. They just are a little shitty passive aggressive comments. And there's, I work really hard to give my employees uh freedom and autonomy and not be breathing over their shoulder and um and and if i have a problem you know sit down shut the door and say hey we need to talk about this Mm -hmm. and not just make some shitty little comment in passing that you're like but was that what (laughs) What did that that mean right um but i i mean i've had managers that were like that but i use that in in that sense where yeah um because i i've been in positions that were just freaking miserable because i'm like you know, I had one manager that she was an accounting manager, and I won't I won't name names, but she might end up seeing this someday. She'll know who she is. Um, <laughs> but like, she'd sneak so, up on you. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't matter. You could be working for seven hours and forty five minutes of the day, but that fifteen minutes that you took to check your personal email or whatever, yeah. She was like right behind you. What are you doing? It's like <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. You didn't see me the last four hours when I just crushed all this work now yeah. you're here for two minutes i was on amazon um yeah and it's just like it always worked out that way but yeah um yeah i try to think about that whenever i'm dealing with my staff yeah and i think i think the the, the challenge i've faced with not even with staff but just is running a business right you know I, I i don't want to micromanage anybody like i i respect and trust everybody like you know just come in and do your job i've also realized and this is my own fault that if you don't give people the minimum expectations they do what they think they should do. And I've realized, like, and that's what kind of what we're looking at for next year is like setting this is the minimum bar. Like, I'm not going to micromanage you, but this is what I, ex- this is how high you have to be on the, to get on the ride. Like, this is what you have to do. This is the expectations. I think if you give people that and then give them freedom to operate how they want, you get better results. I just, I've realized, you know, in running the firm, I haven't been the best at doing that. And that's yeah. kind of what, that's, you learn as a business owner. Like, you, you know, I want to like stay off and like let everybody you know live their life, work how you want, just let's all do excellent work and have a good time doing it. But you also, I've realized that you have to put some guardrails in place, and that's yeah. what I'm learning. Well, that's yeah. pretty good advice. I mean, starting at the floor is kind of like a good concept because with my people, like I, I don't like let them do whatever they want really because mm-hmm. the job always gets done. Yeah. But then I'm starting to realize, you know, utilities are on the rise and, and like yeah. the, the fuel and all this stuff's on the rise. So now I'm actually losing money where I could just give them the money. So if they yeah. come in and kill it and get it done and be yeah. done at two o'clock, then instead of giving Duquesne Light an extra hundred bucks a month, I can split it up between three people. Yeah. Know? So. And that's definitely, you know. that's definitely something I've learned too is that, you know, to look closer at the numbers. Because again, I wasn't always doing that as well. And I mean, we, we're a profitable company, but... I started really digging into, we're going through this whole EOS process, like putting systems in place. And I started looking at, okay, how profitable is each person? Like, are they even carrying their weight? Like looking at, you know, what, what they do on a day-to-day basis, what they generate for the firm, and then what they cost me, and then what allocation of overhead do I put towards them? And that's really making us look at how we do things now. Because again, and that just comes down to having to put minimums in place. 
Like, this is what you have to do. To, you know, they're not crazy expectations. It's like, you know, to be here, you have to do this. This is what's yeah. expected. And I think right. a lot of, even clients of mine, because you know, we have, you know, 400 plus clients that are businesses, a lot of them don't do that. And the, and the, but once they figure that out is really when you see the all-star start to perform. Yeah, we're afraid. We're scared because there, there's no one else coming in. That's so you exactly. let these people walk all over you. Well, that's exactly and then, right. Like, now I'm going to be all fired up tomorrow. i like, we got minimums around here. <laughs> well, and that, I'm going to be like calling you up. Like, you got anybody that wants to come to work? Everybody walked out. But, that, but, that's, but, that, but that's, that is a great point because that's exactly been my problem, right? Because you want people, like I say, we work together the majority of our lives. So you want people to love coming here. And I've told everybody in our interviews, like, if you don't like coming here, I don't want you to work here. Like I want everybody to love what they do and love the team. We have, we're very selective who we bring in, and it's also been that fear of like I want like I'll take on more work because I don't want anybody else to be upset. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what the fuck? Like, it's like I mean, I'm running the place. It's I'm I'm generating all the profit. And now I'm worrying about how everybody else feels. Right. And I'm like, I've got to stop doing that. Like, yeah. it's not sustainable. I will die probably. Well, me and Jerry, Jerry does my payroll. And <laughs> I think we talked about it a couple months ago. I said, if I paid for anything yeah. and didn't get the results for what I pay for payroll, I, I'd be insane. Yeah. You know, like if you bought a car that was new and didn't run, right. you wouldn't just leave it in the driveway and keep making the payment. You'd right. be fucking freaking out. Right. But no, you just make the payroll and they don't work. And you're like... <laughs> Well, I better figure out where payroll's coming from and how we're getting the job done because we need these people. Especially considering <laughs> for the cost of your payroll, you could afford a fleet of the nicest cars around. <laughs> but that, that's the struggle of a business owner, though, right? Because you want, you, know, you want your business to operate and you're so afraid of employees leaving. But then I always come back to you, like, if they leave, were they the right people? If they leave because right. they have minimum standards or minimum right. levels of expectations, yeah. were they the right people? Yeah. And that's kind of what, what I'm kind of coming to terms with and what we're implementing next year is like, these are the minimums. And it's, if you're not okay with that, then that's okay. Like, again, then this probably isn't the right place for you. It's so funny that you're bringing this up. And I think every time we have a conversation, I start thinking like, wow, you're dealing with the same shit I'm dealing with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because our businesses are very similar. Yeah. And... I started last year doing some research and, and we're going to start implementing this and I've, I've talked to my staff about it, but we're trying to figure out a more, a way to produce or of, to motivate productivity with mm-hmm. accountants. Right. And there, you know, I found an article in the journal of accountancy that some firms are moving toward a productivity bonus mm-hmm. and a new business bonus. Uh, instead of just a straight hourly with yeah. a minimum number of hours, right? So in an accounting firm, typically you have, you have I mean, obviously there's 2,080 hours in a work year, right? 40 hours a week times 52. It's very hard to have 2,080 billable hours if you're only working 40 hours a week. I mean, there's going to be time that's not yeah. billable. Yep. It just is what it is. But if you're making $50,000 a year, how many hours do I have to bill for your time at your billable rate mm-hmm. to cover 50 plus your payroll taxes, plus your workers' comp insurance, plus your benefits, you know, plus, you know, if you're working for me, I better be making some money. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's why yeah. we're here, right? Yeah. I'm not yeah, here exactly. for, yes. for charity. I'm, yeah. I'm here so, to yeah, make money too. 85 to 90,000 billable hours on 50 grand. You it, know? Well, so the way the, the calculation is, is that they say that take their their base salary, which you know, is called 50K in this, this situation, times 1.2, so 20% for payroll taxes and fringe, mm-hmm. and double it. And double. 
And so you're talking $120,000. That person should be generating $120,000 a year for your for your firm, minimum. And so the way this new way that some firms are, t- are working is they're giving productivity bonuses for everything over that 120. So whatever that hourly billable rate is, they're actually splitting it. Mm-hmm. So 50 50. If you're if you exceed 120, 120,000 in this example, we'll split your hourly rate with you for every yeah. hour over that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it works out to be that like if you build out 75 or 80 percent of your time, that fifty thousand dollar a year employee could make eighty or ninety thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Right. Just building out seventy five to eighty percent of the twenty of the of the forty hours a week. Yeah. So it's very possible for somebody to make even with a fifty thousand dollar base a hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely. Just, Cars in this parking lot are starting all going to start looking nicer. Yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly. That's, but that's exactly it. That's and exactly then, the system we're using. And then on top yeah. of that, you do a, product, a new business bonus mm-hmm. and you pay for you know. A, for the first year, you give mm-hmm. them another like a ten percent of any new business that they bring you. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna implement that. That's a good strategy. So, because you know, like you said, I've got some staff that are that are rock stars, and yeah. I don't think that they're. You know, I don't want anything to be misinterpreted that they're. I feel like they're slacking because yeah. that's not the case. But setting that standard, mm-hmm. and then the other thing too that I've determined, and we just hired. I t- I mentioned before we just hired a payroll person um, I've determined that there's a lot of time that my staff is wasting mm-hmm. my staff accountants or my senior accountant is wasting doing payroll processing yeah. payroll processing the way the software that we, we spend a lot of money on and the system that we've mm-hmm. developed ha- is really data entry yeah I mean the right. vast majority of it we're entering hours yep. and the system does a lot of the work I don't need somebody that's a that's a trained accountant necessarily yep. doing that day-to-day overseeing it maybe but the day-to-day they're wasting time yeah where i could be billing 105 an hour yeah. for them to be doing accounting work exactly getting uh, to that number and, and getting to that number so yeah. what we've decided I, I i hired somebody i'm pulling all the payroll putting yep. it all on that one person um it's also going to allow me to build the payroll side yeah. of the business up um which we've kind of uh, spun off into a different brand that we're going to try to create a, a not a separate company. It's still under Landmark Business Solutions, but it's going to have its own revenue stream. Yeah. Um, that eventually we could sell off the payroll yeah. company, um, and it creates its own passive revenue because yeah. it's it's billed every payday. It's predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we keep building that up, and as long as those numbers and, and I keep a close watch on that yeah. that product that that profitability with that pay, with that staff, it can be its own little this its own little machine. Yeah. But by getting that away from my staff account, my staff, yeah. my accounting staff, they can focus on just making sure that they're reaching the number of hours, yeah. maximizing their their compensation, mm-hmm. uh, but also in turn maximizing. The firm's product profitability. Essentially, yeah, you could take that into any business. Like you said, That's you're going to do right. the same structure, yep. and like I could utilize those numbers in my business. Like yep. we know what we did this year, we know what we need to do next year to keep the lights yep. on. You yeah, know? it's 
you know, you want to make more as the business owner, mm-hmm. but like if you want to have a life or be more mm-hmm. efficient, it, you can give some back to the business. You don't have well, to take it all, yeah. right? Oh, exactly right. <laughs> but Absolutely. the way that system works is, and I did all the math and I ran all the, because I'm like, you know, if I've got an employee that's making 50 now and all of a sudden they're going to be making 80, you know, but you do the math and if they're making 80, I'm making a lot more. Right. Yeah. So I hope they make 80. I hope they make 150. Yeah, yeah it's safe Because oh, yeah. the more they make, the more I make. Right. So yeah. it, you're safe. Well, that's, that's how we're doing because we, I mean, we have kind of the same thing, right? We, like the new business, they get a percent of all new business they generate for the life of the client. Like if it's their client, they get a percent of that. Then they get a percent of any matters they manage within the firm. But kind of the form that we've come up with, we haven't finalized yet, it's going to be take your total comp. So whatever, so that includes the additional fees you're getting from clients, like on a, and, and multiply that by 1.3. Because we do, we have insurance, we do 401k contribution. Then we take what our overhead was last year. So we'll say if it was a million dollars, we'll say, and we take each attorneys and say what was their percent of the hour, what their hourly rate is to a percent of the whole hourly rate. So my hourly rate is higher, so obviously I take more of the overhead. So if someone's at 20%, then we're saying, okay, you're responsible for covering 20% of overhead. So then everything on top of that is where you bonus out. So you, if, you're, if your total comp's 100 grand, you know, times that by 1.3, 130,000, and say you now have to cover 200,000 of overhead, 330 is your number to hit. And right. then on top of that, you get a bonus, a percent of anything generated above that. For, for a lawyer to, to do 330 a year, you know, if you if your hourly rate's 250, which is a pretty low hourly rate, you know, that's, you know, 1,200 hours, which is 100 hours a month you have to bill, which right. is 25 hours a week, which is basically nothing. And that so, gives them time to go out and get new work. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's kind of the, so we're looking at, you know, we, we have, you know, the 2080, the 2080 hours. We're looking at, it as, okay, you got to account for 1,800 hours. So we're saying you got to account for that, meaning that's billable, non-billable time. But the more you bill, right, the more money you'll make. And so I think there's a lot of different formats, but that's kind of the same thing. And yep. you know, the, the standard in the, in the legal industry is they say every attorney should be 3x what they make. That's when an attorney's profitable. So if you're making 150000 a year, you should be generating four fifty to the firm. Because the, the first third covers you, the second third covers overhead, and the third third goes to profitability and growth. That's kind of the rough math, but we're doing it a little bit differently. But I think every business can take a formula like that, but it takes really getting into the numbers and understanding what each employee's value is, what they bring to the table, you know, what their cost is, and really knowing your numbers. And that's something I just haven't done in the past. But it's, I think it helps a business exponentially grow because now you have measures and metrics in place. Yeah, I think your employees can kind of... They know it. They it's, can see exactly yeah. what's expected. So it's spelled out in front of them. Yeah, and they can say, okay, if I want to make two hundred grand this year, here's the math grand. I have to do. It's very easy to quantify. Okay, my base is this. If I bring in X amount of clients with this revenue, I'll make that. If I generate you know, billables above this, I make this. Here's how I get to two hundred grand. So they can literally pick what they want to make. And as long as the work's there, which if, if someone comes to me and says, I need more work, I'll go out and get more clients. Like That's not right. a problem. But right now, it's like I'm doing all the work. So I've, I can't go out and get all the clients and do all the work. So right. yeah. it's it gives people a very um, quantifiable visibility into what they can make. Which that problem that you just described, yeah. you doing all the work and trying to do all this, is also the reason why you don't have time to make sure to dig into those numbers. That's exactly right. Because yeah. the, exactly. exactly. the first thing, yeah. and, and I'm an accountant, yeah. and I can tell you <laughs> that my books are the worst of everybody that we work on. Of because course. 
It's and it's the same thing. Yeah, the, the carpenter, the plumber. Yeah. Yeah. By the time at the end of the day, I, the last thing I want to yeah. do is dig into mine. Yeah. But if you don't, yeah. you're missing opportunity and you're exactly. losing money. You're leaving money on yes. a table at best. That's losing exactly right. money yeah. is more realistic. I'm yeah. like guilty of like the when I get angry at an employee of doing the chicken scratch math and being like <laughs> on a piece of paper and then you know because they call it off, but then they show up the next day and I just throw the paper away. I'm like I'm not present. You know, it's, yeah. well, and that, but, but that's a really good point because I think I think having a form like this right takes the emotion out of it. Like that's what I've learned. Because there's been days where I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how am I? Why am I here at six? He's a black belt too. Yeah. So. Well, it just it's, it would get frustrating. Something like everybody's leaving at four or four thirty. I'm here until six o'clock, yeah. slaving to make sure you're all getting paid. Right. Yeah. I'm like, how do I take emotion out of this? I said, okay, here's what the viability model is. This is what you have to generate for it to make sense for me to keep you in this firm. So it's like, if you take a day off, that's fine. Whatever, I mean, the flexibility is there. You've got to hit your numbers every quarter. So it helps me pull the emotion out of it and just say, it's on, you know what's expected, it's on you. And I think that that is helping me tremendously as we're putting this together, knowing that going into next year, I will not be an emotional train wreck. Yeah, the the numbers never lie. Right, exactly. Numbers are the numbers are the numbers. You're the accountant, you should know that, right? Numbers never lie unless you forge them, unless you forge them or fudge the books. You can smear them. Don't, don't, don't fudge them. You can right, smear exactly. them. Yes. I'll tell you personally, I'll actually claim more income because I don't want to deal with the IRS. I'm like, I'll, oh, I'll just, yeah. you know, I'll take less expenses. I'm like, I don't want to deal with that stuff. Like, yeah. it's, I've seen too many businesses deal with that shit. <laughs> you, don't, you practice any tax law? No. So I, I always say I know enough tax law to be dangerous. So I can, I can advise a client at a very high level. Say, hey, here's a tax. I, I would say talk to your CPA. Or like if you're in tax trouble, like talk to an actual tax lawyer. Like I can help a business when you're setting up different tax strategies or the estate planning side of things, but I'm not going to do your taxes. I'm not going to tell you what forms to file. I'm not going to deal with tax issues. It's just, I like tax. I have an MBA, but it's, it also makes my eyes bleed when I try and understand <laughs> it. I mean, really, I mean, I, don't, I mean, the tax code, I mean, it's, when you get into the interesting strategies that entrepreneurs use, like mm-hmm. it's really, really fascinating like just the stuff i've learned just this year just different you know rules like the augusta rule and like you know charitable charitable donations and how that you can make them work and get the appreciated value of things and cost segregation there's so many different strategies but again i know enough to be dangerous but not at that in-depth of the knowledge (laughs) so what's your forte in in law yeah there's a lot of practice areas here i mean so (laughs) what if what do we go to if you know yeah we're calling rocco here I'm typically dealing with more strategic clients. So yeah. companies that have a major issue to deal with, uh, they're going through a major transaction, um, you know, do a lot of high-level advising with business owners and entrepreneurs. So it's kind of the more complex problems. Like I can do the basic stuff, but I, mean, I have associates to do that. But it's, yeah. I'm typically involved in more of the complex strategy type decisions, mergers and acquisitions, buying and selling businesses, uh, strategic contracts, strategic relationships. I do a lot of the entertainment that the entertainment law size a lot Are of what I do. Are you sports agent or no? So <laughs> okay. I so I had contemplated that in the past until yeah. I talked to a couple of agents and realized that how much one how much money you have to have to get into the business. Yeah. Like it's like you've got to put money into players like a lot yeah, of money, yeah. and you're capped on what you can actually make. Oh really? Yeah, I mean, you're you're capped. You know, with the NFL, I think it's three percent of the contract. I think oh, wow. it's, it's it's capped, and it's to get like a really good player, you've got to put you know a couple hundred thousand into that player, yeah. just training them and getting them you know ready for the combine. 
um, the te- I mean, I could take the test and pass, but to me, it's like, I'd rather sure. be a lawyer. And plus, I, I gravitated away from the athletes and talent to now working more with companies, production companies, record labels, movies, because the talent was, it was hard to deal with because they, they don't want to listen. They don't want to pay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They always think they know everything. You know, a guy told them this. I'm like, well, <laughs> does that guy have a law degree? Well, no, it was my buddy from growing up. I'm like, well, I'm sure you use Google, but I have a JD after my name for a reason. Right. So you might want to take my advice. Like, well, but this guy's been telling me this. So that's why I started gravitating away from that and more towards the company side. It's a lot more fun, too. Yeah. yeah. We still get that question, though. That right. I saw something on TikTok. They said I can write off everything I ever spend money on. Oh. <laughs> so I can't tell you how many clients, I, and my assistant Jasmine would laugh because probably in the past month I've had this conversation. Someone will call and say, I need, I want to set up. A trust holding company and a few LLCs. I said, what TikTok video did you yeah. watch? Like, that's the first question I said. I said, who did you watch on TikTok? Because unless you have a bunch of shit, you don't need that yet. Yeah. They're like, I want to do them. Go, well, how many properties do you own? Well, I haven't bought one yet. I'm like, well, you don't need all of this stuff. Like that is a strategy that can work at a certain point in your life. But if you are a W-2 employee, you're looking to buy a rental property, let's set up an LLC to buy the property in. Yep. Then we can look at holding companies and trusts down the road. <laughs> but er, I mean, at least 10 phone calls in the past yeah. month and a half I've oh, had. Constant. Consultation schedule. It's like, I want to get this. I'm like, no. Like, you definitely <laughs> watch the TikTok video. I'm curious who it was. I know about three or four guys that talk about the same <laughs> yeah. thing. But, it, but that's the problem, too. There's so much, there's so much bad information out so there. Much, like, so much. My yeah. favorite response is when I get somebody to watch that video and then call me, what do you know about trusts? I know you don't need one. Right. <laughs> I want to buy a rental property. Okay. Mine are all in an LLC. Right. Yeah. What's the cost of setting up a trust? It's I mean, just what's not the necessary. cost to structure just, this? Well, they yeah. don't even have the money to structure it. Well, <laughs> and it, it complicates things that, pe- that these TikTok videos don't yes. talk about. You know, all of a sudden when the bank goes to refinance it and it's in a trust, there's other complications. Yeah, you have to pull it out of the trust and put it back in the trust. You go to sell it, there's yep. other complications. You know, these people think, oh, well, this guy on TikTok said that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that. You know, I've seen, I saw a video on TikTok and it's like my favorite. And it was a real estate agent okay. talking about how, did you know that if you set up an S-Corp, you can write off everything you buy? You can write off your vacation and your groceries and you're this, and I'm sure. thinking, please just be a real estate agent. Right. Yeah, like, don't, yeah, stay yeah. in your lane. Stay in I'm your saying. lane, because you're going to get people put in prison. Yeah, what uh, do we absolutely. always try to do? Not raise any red flags is the goal. Uh, yeah, and let just, me tell you, going on TikTok and saying that shit, they're watching they're, too. Yeah. So red flags. There's a red flag. And they don't care. Like There's another. There's these two guys, I can't remember what they're called, but they talk about credit a lot. And they're like, here's how you set up an LLC. And this is, they go through, and I literally did a, like a stitch with this. I'm like, this is such bad advice. Because yeah. I, I, mean, I actually like some of the stuff they talk about. They said, first step, go to the IRS and get an EIN. I said, nope, it's wrong. Because if you go get an EIN and that name's not available in your state, then you're fucked. Yep. So, and they yeah, they just luck. said, then you go to your state's website and do this. Then you go open a bank account. I'm like, nope, can't open a bank account. You don't have an operating agreement. The bank won't let you do it. And it's just like, there's so much. And this video has like 100,000 likes. I'm like, yeah. What is happening? Like, yeah. it's crazy to me. And then the people think because of chat GPT and AI now, they can solve every problem in the world. And I'm like, well, that's also not true. They can represent so themselves yeah. now, right? <laughs> One thing it's really good it's, at is yeah. descriptions for real estate. I really yeah. like those in chat well, GPT. What, and, I'll, and I'll use it. I, I try and help save my clients money. I'll say, hey, if, if I'm trying to, like, draft something like a unique type of agreement, I'll say, hey, and I'll put it, I'll say, just give me a framework. 
And then I'll take that framework and, and massage it. Or if I'm trying to write a letter, I'll say, hey, I need a letter. This is what I'm talking about. I need it to sound in this tone. It'll give me a frame. So instead of me taking an hour to do something, yeah. I can do oh. it in half the time. And I don't. And I only charge my client for half it. So it helps tremendously. The problem is people are now relying it yeah. on, on it so much. Like I remember seeing a video. This guy's like, oh, I don't need a lawyer. I'm just going to use ChatGPT. I said, that's fine. I said, I'll beat you on procedure every day. I said, yeah. It may tell you the law. I know the procedure. Like I know the rules of the game. It may show you how to throw the football, but I know the rules of the game, and you're not going to beat me in the rules. And right. it's just people aren't thinking about the long-term effects of this. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's a crazy world right now. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Yep. Yeah. How old are crazy. your kids? Uh, my son is 22. Uh, my oldest daughter's 14, and my youngest daughter's 10. So they're, they're, the 10-year-old's going to be the one that's going to really see a lot of this because I have a four- yeah. and six-year-old, and I, I always think, like, Remember, they were like, what, are you going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time? And we'd be like, whatever, you know? But it's like, yeah, when they yeah, go to write yeah. a book report, the they're going to be able to just do it on the AI and be done with it. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because like now they have like you know AI detectors these schools have now. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they have like software now that will detect if it's written in AI. Like my son in college, even in my daughter's high school, they do as well. Like they have, yeah, they, they have AI to combat detecting. it somehow. Are you allowed yeah. to, I guess, I'm going to... Are you allowed to submit... Chat GPT or AI language to the courts, or does well, it need to be massaged? So there's been a bunch of lawyers that got dinged for that okay. because they wrote. I just read an article literally before I left my office. Say these lawyers got a lawyer got fired because he used Chat GPT to write a brief, gave it to his boss, they submitted it to the court, and it made up court sites like made uh, up okay. court cases. <laughs> so it just it doesn't it, it doesn't, doesn't have real the, information. It doesn't right? know the rules yeah. exactly. So it just so they got fired for oh, that. Wow. Um, the other issue with ChatGPT, which I think no one's talking about, is copyright issues. Yeah. Like people are creating, like, who owns the copyrights? Yeah. Because who's the original creator? Like, people are saying, you know, the, the output isn't the creation, it's the prompt is really the original work. Like, I create the prompt that makes ChatGPT create the output. The output isn't really what I own. I don't have a copy. Mm -hmm. I own the copyright of the prompt I've created. So it's a, we're, we're like heading into the wild west when yeah. it comes to intellectual yeah. property. Why? It's going to be an interesting couple of years, I think. You might be we in the right field. Anything. I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's, it's nuts. And I think um, people are relying on it too much. And I think people are so afraid it's going to replace. I, I said, if you, if you think AI is going to replace you as a professional, you're not good at what you do. Yeah. Like, that's truly what I believe. Like, I've had people talk like, oh, it's going to replace marketers. I said, it's going to replace bad marketers. Yeah. Mm. Good marketers that understand human dynamics and human yeah. psychology that an AI software can't do will always be around. Yeah, I mean, They'll well, use it to make their job easier. Exactly. I was going to say that good marketers are going to use the AI yeah. to make their life a little easier, but they're not going to depend on it 100%. Exactly. I mean, Walmart's talking about getting rid of the self-checkout kiosks already. What's that been, five years? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I just saw something. Yeah, it's like they keep complaining. They yeah. They, well, they're just going to back to having people there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm. I don't use them. I hate self checkouts. I'm a pain in the ass to use. I, feel I like when people happen. are like, "Well, I don't work here, so why should I bring up myself?" There's like two things hey, that will happen to me every time I use them. One, something won't scan. That's it. And I either don't have the patience for it, so I set it back and yep. don't take it. Or if I really need it, I'm just. I'm just fucking taking it. It's mine now. You know what I mean? Like, Home Depot, you should have been here to scan this for me. This half-inch elbow is mine. Yeah. I haven't decided yet. We'll see how this day goes. Yeah. This half-inch elbow is mine. I'm out. I got to go. I love it. So, yeah, we're not going to replace anytime soon yeah, by I, computers. I, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think that, you know, 
it's the, the world is, is too complicated yeah. now. There's too much going on for it to replace. It's cool, practice. though. I mean, it's definitely fun. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, again, like, I, I use it in my practice. I yeah. think it has helped us tremendously. Like, there are, you know, I, I'll take something and say, hey, can you summarize this for me to, to read to a fifth grader? Yeah. So it'll take, like, a provision of a contract that, that'll summarize for it so I can read it to give it to a client. Like, this is really what it means. Mm. I don't have to write it, so it, I don't have to bill my client for it. It just helps right. me save my And we, I was at a conference in October, like a legal conference, they were even talking that probably over the next five years, it'll almost be unethical in our profession not to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it sh- we should Build be using more. it to say, our, our ethics rules say we should provide you know zealous representation to our clients in the most cost-effective way. Using AI helps us drive that cost down. So I think it'll... Mm. It'll somehow get woven into our rules at some point in time. Yeah, I, think. I mean, because lawyers for years you reuse forms over and over yeah, again, so exactly. it's no different than that. It's just you're trying to do your job the exactly. most efficient way. Yeah, I mean, that's and we do that too. Like, you know, I, I always can it can you know underprice people in the market because we, we built such a template library. So if someone needs a contract that may have taken me four hours to put together. It may take me half the time because I have the framework built. It's now just massaging it to the way this client needs it and going through and making sure everything adds up. But some lawyers, you know, don't necessarily do that. Still, they still charge the full freight. They yeah. just kind of start, say they start from scratch and they don't. It's just, you know, I believe in just doing what's best for the client because it's, you know, it's not about the transaction. Now it's about the relationship long term. Yeah, I've seen some agreements to purchase businesses that are like, wait a second, you're just kind of <laughs> throwing it all together, here, boy. Like we're we're talking about like a sixty thousand dollar acquisition, and you yeah. have six stacks of information. It's like, what do we? What, we don't even need any of this. We shook hands three hours ago. Like I just I've need already, something to them. save my ass. You know, I don't need to know about the farm in Burgettown where the eggs come from. Yeah, there are there are a lot of lawyers that, and I've been in those transactions where they overcomplicate things. It's just you know for for like that a sixty thousand dollar like we typically tell clients when they're, when they're working on a, like a merger or buying a business, it's hard to quote a price. We always say it's, assume around two to four percent of the purchase price is what it's going to come into for fees. Mm-hmm. But for a sixty thousand dollar transaction, that's take a few hours of work. Yeah. Putting an asset purchase agreement together, bill of sale, a couple other things. That's it. But I've seen I've seen lawyers where I've been on the the selling side of it, and I've seen the agreement. I'm like, what? this is 40 pages long. Yeah. It's a $25,000 painting <laughs> with a twist you're buying. Like, what in the actual fuck is this? Yeah. It's just like, we can do this on a napkin. Like, it's pretty simple. But <laughs> yeah. but again, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, lawyers want to justify their existence and, and charge their uh, clients as much as possible. So it's unfortunate. They give us all a bad name. That's in every possession, that profession. Well, I mean, you got, you got home inspectors. You got, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of that, man. It, 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 you're right. I mean, it is every profession. I think that's why. Accountants. It, it, I always say, if you do good customer service, yep, if yeah. you really provide a high level of customer service to your clients, it's it's very hard not to be successful in business. Yeah, I think there's really a there's a like a type of person that just takes themselves too serious in general. If everything they do, you know, it's yeah. like, look, man, we're just we're just going fishing. Right. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't need this backstory of how you learn how to fish right. and why you're the best ever. I just need you to stand there and fish and shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's that's the entitlement of it. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. I would I would agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, because I'm in dry cleaning, and I see it a lot in our profession. We go to these trade shows, and these guys talk about a thousand chemicals, and they're like, we're the best spotter in the world. And I'm like, good, man. Good for you. I'm pretty damn good, and I use four chemicals, and it's... (laughs) 
probably not going to come out if it doesn't come out with those four. But they like go on and on, and I'm like, wow. Uh, those are always, I always say those are always the, the business owners that have some inadequacy that they're trying to make up for. And it's just because it, it's true, like they like they overcompensate by saying all the things they do or showing off what they do. Mm-hmm. I, I always say if, if you if you have to show off as an entrepreneur or a business owner, are you really successful or are you pretending to be successful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're lying so I'm like, I feel like if you're if I'm a successful entrepreneur, I don't have time to post all of my new shit on Facebook and Instagram and yeah. talk about all these trips I'm taking. I'm just living life. But yeah. there's so many people out there that I think want to put off this image of success mm. when they haven't done the work yet. I think if you are successful, people just know. So you started Kozala in 19? Yeah, 20, July 1st. So it's probably about when I met you. Yeah, probably pretty close. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, it's been, we just passed our four years this July. Yeah. Which you're is crazy. About, yeah, you talk about those early days. There were a lot of sleepless nights, big decisions. Yeah, there, were, there, were, there were really Mistakes along the way. Could all you, of the above. All of the uh, above. What we focus on here. So those early years, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so it was the scariest part was not knowing where the next client's coming from. Yeah. Right. Because you're just like, I was, I left corporate. So I wasn't in private practice. Yeah, so I didn't have zero, a, right? <laughs> zero. And I was, I left court and I had a good network of people, but it's every month. It's like in, in, it was scary because like, I'm like you're working out of your kitchen at this. Like, no, what so are I we had, doing? So I, so I had a small office in Carnegie. I share okay. with the lawyer right. for like a hundred bucks a month, Yeah, which is crazy. So I went there. Then I went to a Regis space, yeah. which I paid like 600 bucks a month. Okay. Then we started growing. Then I hired my first part-time assistant who now is our director of operations. We sat in the same office, about the size of this side of the table, sat across from yeah. each other. That was like a thousand bucks a month. Then we moved to a house in Carnegie and then now we're in Green Tree. But it's those first days where it was like, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, honestly, like, I didn't. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I'll figure it out. Like, I've always, I'm, I've been the type of person, I'll just muscle through it. Like, I'll just push my way through and figure it out. But there were many days, because even at the same time, my wife left her job. So she oh, was in childcare. you child guys care. went all in. We all we went all in. Yes, yeah. so she she left because she wanted to get into the fitness industry. It was like doing like fitness instructing yeah, yeah. and that. But then she really realized that she loves working with kids and went back into childcare and and, and teaching. But she so we both did at the same time. We we're like, oh, fuck, let's just figure this out. Yeah. But it was it was definitely um, there were a lot of sleepless nights. It was yeah. very, and I'm not one to be afraid. But this was the first time in life where I actually had some fear. Yeah. And I'm like, did I make the right decision? I, I was questioning that for the longest time, literally like every day questioning it. And then mm. two things, well, three things happened. The first one, I was in get-go and I bought like a protein bar and an energy drink. And I went went up to the cashier and it rung up to $7.77. And this woman's like, that's an angel number. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, look that up. She's like, that, that's a special number. And like my grandmother had died in 2017 and she was like kind of like this, this, you know, inspiration for me my whole life. And I was always like, you know, did I, did, you know, thinking like, did I, you know, did I disappoint her by making the wrong decision? Oh. And then that number like significant, like you're on the right path. Someone's watching over you. And then like two months later, there was, there was this app. It used to be called, it was called Shaper. It was like Tinder for LinkedIn. So like, okay. you go on there, you meet business contacts. Yeah, yeah. So I was on there and this woman reached out to me. She had an Amazon business, wanted to meet for coffee to kind of help her with her business. We go to Panera and Green Tree. And I sit down and she comes in and she's like, you may think I'm crazy. She's like, but I also read energy and read tarot cards. She's like, I'm getting this energy from you. Can, can do you mind if I do this reading? 
I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, I didn't know what the fuck was happening. <laughs> yeah, anything to get fucking business. So, I mean, I'm just like, yeah, just whatever. trying to get coffee. So she, <laughs> she, she reads this energy, and then she pulls out these tarot cards and does this reading, and she's going through them. It's like literally everything that had happened in the past year to oh. two years, like just saying the shit that was going through my mind that had happened. And then at the end, she pulls out this last card. I can't remember. It was like this, this sword or something. She's like, this is the best card in the deck. So she's, she, th- she said, this means you found your destiny and you're on the path to it. Mm. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, I thought I was on a hidden camera show. Like, I'm looking down, <laughs> I'm like, someone fucking with me? Because it was at that time where I'm like, I'm questioning. Yeah, you're every, I had this fear. Right. And like, yeah. did I make the right decision? Should I get a job? And then that happened. And it was like, okay. And then the business coach I've been working with, I mean, I still work with him to this day. It was <laughs> close thereafter. And I still couldn't figure out the money piece. And I'm like, you know, I had to make X every month to support my family. And I was always coming in plus or minus, like a little bit over or under. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Why can't I do it? And he said to me, he said, stop focusing on the money. Focus on being the best fucking lawyer you can be. Mm-hmm. He's like, do that for three months and watch what happens. And literally in three months, I tripled my revenue. Oh. Yeah, and it was just like, I took my mind off the money. Yeah. He said, how do I get better? Like just, fo- and ever since then, it's all I focus on. How do I get better? And that's th- that was a turning point for me because I didn't know if I'd make it. Like I truly didn't know. Like, am I gonna make it? Like mm. I had you know three kids, a kid going to college soon, yeah, two you got- young kids, a wife that also quit her job. You yeah. know, we're living in a house we built. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. and I didn't want to like go backwards. I'm like, I have to figure this out. You know, when you're making multiple six figures to going to like, where's the next dollar coming from? Yeah, it's a scary thing. But that was. That was that turning point for me. And then I just said, fuck it. Like, put my foot on the gas and said, let's go. And then awesome. here's where we are. Yeah, <laughs> Still man. figuring out as I like, go. But it was, um, yeah, it was scary, man. It was yeah. it was very, but that's entrepreneurship, right? Like, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's also the best part of it, that fear, right. that motivator. Like, that's really what it is. Like, we've heard that every time. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what we always circle back to, and Jerry said it all the time, is like, you know, or I say it to him, like, we've all been broke before. Yeah. You know, we've all had nothing. Yeah. But, like, we're not willing to go back there, is what no. Jerry told me one day. And yeah. it really stuck to me. Is like, all right, so now we have a skill set. Mm-hmm. No matter what you are as an entrepreneur, if you're a true entrepreneur, you have a skill set. Exactly. Now you just be the best at what you can do. Yep. And everything else will come to play. That's exactly right. You know? Now, That's if it. you decide to expand upon that, you can. But yep. you, you can make it. No matter what you do, if you have that drive, hundred percent. And I, so. I always say that too. Like I, you know, I grew up nothing. You know, I just, you know, I had a great family. Like they, mm-hmm. they loved me and they gave me, you know, the world. But like we didn't grow up with money. It right. was like I was the first one in my family to go to college and you know get a degree and go on the law school. So it's like I knew where I came from and I always remember my beginnings. But I, I don't want to ever go back that way. Yeah. Like I want my kids yeah. to have a better life. I want you know all these things. And it's, it was that was a driver for me it's like and, and also like i was the type of person to, if you tell me i can't do it i'm gonna do it twice because yeah. when i left corporate america everybody was like you're dumb like wow did you, do you had a great job made all this right. money got yeah. to do what you wanted She's like you're an idiot you're never gonna make it you know single you know solo lawyers don't make 100 grand for seven years like you're not gonna make no. it i'm like well watch yeah, and yeah. you know, and you know, we're, we're multiple seven figures in four years. Yeah, awesome. and now so, the benchmark's been raised. It's exactly, been raised for your kids. Exactly, it's been that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. It's like, and that's the other thing too. Like that's funny you say that because to me, my kids motivate me. Yeah, because I see, like, yeah. I want them to see what's possible. Like yeah. I built this from nothing, and I love when my kids walk into my office and like wear our logo gear, and they're like, "My dad built this from literally an idea." Like, right. and, and I the, from my head, an idea, and like we have all these people that I employ. 
this business, you know, this brand, and it's like from nothing. And I want them to see what's possible, and I'm not going to give it to them. Yeah. Like I'll show them the way. I'll be their backstop and their guardrails, but I want them to outwork me. I want them to be better than me. And I just I look at what I'm doing as, you know, they're watching me. So everything I do is important and has to be the right example for them. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough. It's not easy being a dad. You know, no, it's the hardest saw, job. Like you see those pictures that people <laughs> draw where the guy's carrying his kid, but he's swimming. He's walking through a pool of sharks. Yeah, yeah that's like, exactly man, it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not easy being a woman either, but it's just no, it's, it's just it's, not easy being a parent. Period. No, it's not. And I think I think it's it's you know, but it's also the greatest thing you'll ever do. Like yeah. I love it, and it's yeah. it, it truly and it's. I don't think I'd be as successful if I didn't have kids, because I, they just yeah, motivate you in a different that. way. That's why I, I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a game changer. It is. Well, it changes your your thinking. If you didn't have kids, you'd be working for now, right now. Yeah. You'd be working for, you know, you to live a comfortable life mm-hmm. and go on trips and have some money in the bank and maybe a nice car, yep. but you'd be working for right now. Yeah. Yep. But right for, you have kids and you're working for their kids. Exactly. The legacy. You know, that's the right. legacy. Okay. That's exactly yeah. right. Because you know, I'm it. trying to build something that, like you said, I'm not going to hand it to them. Yeah. They're going to, because that's when businesses die. Exactly. Yeah. When you exactly hand right. them to a yeah, kid exactly that doesn't know right. what to do. 100%. But you we've we've built this machine mm-hmm. and you teach them the work ethic and how to keep building it yeah and then you know eventually at some point they earn the keys to it mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it changes how you it changes your goals that's for sure it does it changes your perspective too i, I, I yeah. do less stupid shit now like i really i mean i really <laughs> yeah. do like i think you just you're more cognizant of the way you act. Well, I still do stupid operate. shit. I just have to like go away and I'll yeah, I'm not going to Vegas. Do that stupid <laughs> yeah, shit. I, mean, like, I do that as well, but, it's, but, but I always. Joey I always, will be at hunting camp this weekend. <laughs> and, I, and I was in hunting camp last weekend, and there was a lot so, of stupid shit yeah, going listen, on. I, I get it, man. We all got to cut loose every yeah. once in a while, man. Well, I, I'm life. starting. I think I'll be 40. We're all going to be turning 40, okay. and, and I start thinking like, now's the time to like really pump the brakes. Four, no, 40 is when it changes. I'm telling you right now. Like I'm 46. When I turned 40, it's like life got very clear. Mm-hmm. Like, true, like you, it's something. I'm, and I, anyone I know that has turned 40 has said the same. Entrepreneurs said the same thing. A switch goes off. Everything becomes clear. You give, you don't care about the things that don't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. You're very focused on where you want to go and the people that matter to you. And life got very simple at 40. Yeah. Because you just stop giving a shit. You, I, I couldn't care less what people think about me. Yeah. I know who I am. I know who I am as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a business owner. I know the people I care about. I know what I'll do for them. I know where I'm going in life. And I think you just become this different. Like, it's just, for a man, I think it's evolution at 40. Like, the early 40s are really when you evolve truly as a man into what you're going to be. Some men I've seen just say, I'm good, staying comfortable. Other men come out in their 40s and they fucking crush it. And like the 40s have been my best years. Like I absolutely love them. So buckle up. Yeah, it's going to get fun. It's going to get fun. I can promise so, you that. What, what was so, this expression we had? We said so, 30s for learning. So Brian Mara, are yeah. the, the one that we just mm-hmm. recorded, he always said to me that 30s are for, 30s for learning, 40s are for earning. That's exactly right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, 30s, I learned a lot about myself as a man. Like that's that's kind of when you start figuring yourself out yeah. as a man. 40s is the one you kind of like, I, I got it. I got it figured out. Now I'm going to put my foot on the gas and I'm going to really do whatever I can this decade. And like, I feel like I'm young. I'm just getting started. 
Yeah. Like, I, mean, I don't plan on wrapping this up for another 40 years, but right. unless, you know, something happens. But, I mean, I truly love my 40s. It's You're you're in for a wild ride, I can promise. Man, it's so funny because I can feel that happening. Yeah. Like, I look at situations that I'm coming across now, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> ten maybe, years ago, yeah. Ten years ago, I looked at this differently. Yeah. Now, I don't think I give a shit. That's exactly it. And that's I think exactly that maybe it. that stress isn't worth my time. That's that's and exactly maybe, it. Like maybe I need to focus, put my focus here, mm-hmm. and I need to stop focusing here. Yep. And um, it's empowering. Your decision making ability gets very quick. Well, I just think back to like the Steelers. Like when I was twenty. Yeah. If this was going on in the Steelers organization, my whole life would be in a fucking shambles. <laughs> like I wouldn't be here, sitting here, because I'd still be drinking <laughs> down at the game because they lost. 39 I'm 39, and I'm like, turn the page. Yeah, right, exactly. It is what it is. We mature as men eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm getting to the point too. Like when my daughter, she still, she's sick. She still wants yeah. me to lay with her. Yeah. And like, I used to always be like, like trying to sneak out of the room. And now I just make sure my like I'm getting to the point where I'm like I'm just gonna make shit my shit's done for the night yeah. and I'll just go to bed <laughs> like yeah. we'll just hang out because it's gonna be time it's gonna blink like that and she's gonna be like yeah. Dad get out. Do you know what what changed me as a dad with daughters? Someone said this to me and it, it totally changed my because I used to do the same thing like oh, I got other shit to do like I'll lay with you for a little bit. They they said and I remember this about my son they said there will be one time when it's the last time you pick them up. Yeah. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Because yeah. I'm like, I remember the last time I picked my son up. Now he can pick me up. And it's <laughs> yeah. like with my daughters too. It's like there will be one last time you pick them up. One last time they want you to lay with them. So it's like just enjoy every single moment. Because you blink. Yeah. And I mean, my son's 22. Like I blinked. And he was yeah. like this little boy that would hold on my lap. And now he's going to be a lawyer in four years. Wow. Yeah, and I'm crazy. certainly guilty of it because I always feel like whatever I'm doing at work is more important. Yeah. And I saw a thing the other day that said, in 20 years, your kids will be the only ones that know that you worked late. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. It, it, I mean, it's it, there's some things that hit you as a dad. Yeah, we close our store two weeks out of the year now to do family vacations, yeah. which would have never been an option before. And I had a guy ask me, he said, well, what are your customers going to think? And I said, well, let's put it this way. I said, when I die, Mrs. Jones aren't, is not going to be at my casket asking right. for her fucking pants. Right. <laughs> my kids will be there. That's exactly <laughs> you know? right. That's a like, great perspective yeah. to have. Yeah. That's a great perspective. It's one of them things. Just, Absolutely, man. And this is kind of like what we wanted to do this for. Is not, yeah. I mean, it's always cool to like link and enter. And yeah. Then, like, but you really get the chance to talk to a couple business owners in a room. You really got to see yeah. what life's about, too. You know, Absolutely yeah. right. It's, it's so, so true. And so we true. started off on billable hours. <laughs> We were like, yeah. fuck I'm all not. these people. Yeah. We're building every hour. And now we're like, go home, spend some time with your family. Yeah, we, got, we got it from here. Yeah. <laughs> My kids won't see me, but they'll, they'll yeah. see you. <laughs> That's exactly right, man. So it's, yeah. That was the whole thing we wanted to do this podcast for, was give people. And, and you touched on it before, all these, I call them fake entrepreneurs, yeah. but these people on social media that – that portray this lifestyle that's yeah. just not true. That yeah, is I mean, money, it's man. just, yeah. and it's it like, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. It, I don't post much, I, you know, it's, like you said, I'm busy. I post business stuff, like business videos, yeah. like advice videos. Like it's just, again, like, and, and if you want to do it, that's cool. Like I'm all for it, but it's like, make sure it's authentic. Yeah, like that's what I say. Like if, it, if that's truly who you are and that's really what you're about, then cool. But I know, 
90% of the people out there are putting on an image. They want people to think some way of them because there's yeah. something else they're dealing with. Right. And that's the hard part. And it's just, and, and, I, and you know, the younger generation, like I try and tell my son that it's like, you know, just do the work, just do the work, be a good human being. And life gets really simple. Yep. If you right. try and pretend to be something you're not, or you don't treat people with kindness, decency, and respect, life is hard. Yeah, because it all comes back to you. But if you yeah. do, if you just outwork people and treat everybody with decency and respect, it's pretty easy to new, to maneuver life. Right, I mean, it really is. Yeah, those hard conversations with clients, like you, you kind of like have a way you want it to go. But normally, yeah. I'm just like, all right, I'm just fucking telling them the truth. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, we're just gonna get through this one time. Yeah, because then I'll remember the story because it's the truth. Yeah, ninety nine yeah. times out of a hundred. They're like, they're like, yeah, okay. all right, man. This is exactly. right. get through this together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's I say that all the time. Have to just be, just be real. With and the people that are assholes, that one percent, you yeah. weren't going to make them happy anyway. Yeah, so and then no matter what you do, that right. one yes. person <laughs> that sues you anyway, you call Rocco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll handle it for you. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> and now a brief word from our sponsor. This episode of Between Two Bridges is sponsored by Paymark Payroll. Are you tired of spending countless hours juggling payroll calculations, tax filings, and compliance regulations? Well, say goodbye to that chore and let Paymark Payroll take the burden off your shoulders. With our secure online portal, you can access your business information from any internet location, even your phone. Employees will love the ability to receive direct deposits, and they can access all their pay stubs, tax forms, and information through their own portal. Focus on growing your business while we take care of the rest. With top-notch customer support, we're always here to assist you with anything, at any time. Don't let payroll stress hold you back. Choose Paymark Payroll and experience the freedom to thrive. Contact us at payyourpeople.com for a personalized consultation and a demonstration of our powerful payroll solutions and see how Paymark Payroll can better your workflow. That's payyourpeople.com. Join the growing list of satisfied businesses that have embraced the convenience and efficiency of Paymark. Payday made easy. Your business deserves nothing less than the best, and that's exactly what Paymark Payroll delivers. Now back to the show. You had a self-published book. You also talk about radical kindness. Could you get into that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, I um, yeah, the book I published was at twenty nineteen. It was, it came from I was talking at high schools, uh, and like middle schools years ago, and um, the the one both of these actually came from two different talks at high school. So the book came from I, I was talking to the kids and they said, you know, what are some keys to success? Yeah. I kind of said, okay, I gave them a list of things. And I said, what, I said, if I really boiled it down, like what would be those five things? And I came up with, the book's called, you know, it's about the alpha way. And alpha stands for attitude, leadership, passion, hard work, and accountability. And I said, if these are the five things I could tell my 25 year old self, I was writing the book to my 25 year old self. Nice. I said, if I could tell myself, what are the five things you need to be to be successful? This was it. Like the right attitude, you know, understanding leadership, passion, hard work, and accountability. And that's, I just self-published. I had, like, started writing the book. I got halfway through it, stopped for, like, a year, and then went to this mastermind retreat in Lake Tahoe. There was a couple authors there. And this was in July. My birthday's in August. And they were like, why haven't you finished a book? I'm like, don't, don't know. Just fucking gave up. 
and they all challenged me. They said, finish it by your, by your birthday. And literally, my birthday is August 16th. August 15th at 11 p.m. I finished the draft of the book <laughs> right. and then edited it and got it published in September. And it was it was a cool experience. It's more for like marketing, right? But it was it's my philosophy. It's something my kids will always have. They'll be able to look at this and uh, read about what I thought about. And the, the talk, the, the, the TED talk about kindness, again, that came from a talk, uh, I think it was at Keystone Oaks High School, middle school. Again, talking about entrepreneurship and success. And one of the kids... At the end, he's like, you know, if you had to boil it, like, what's the one thing that matters most in business? Like, what's the one thing? And I said, kindness. That was like my instant reaction. And every kid looked like deer in headlights. Yeah. Like, no yeah. one's ever said that to them. And I was like, okay, this is kind of a problem. So I started like talking to other people and then I applied. And I'm like, this is, a, this is something I want to talk about. And I applied to a couple TEDx, you know, events and got accepted. I think it's two or three or five, I can't remember if it was two or four, but I ended up doing the one in Canada. And it was the coolest experience of my life. Like it was giving a 12 minute speech was the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> I can stand up and talk for a room for 60 minutes off the cuff. No problem. Yeah. Doing a 12 minute speech where every movement matters. Every word mattered was so hard. Like I practiced that thing ad nauseum, but like it was the coolest experience because the TEDx events, right? They only sell a certain amount of like a hundred tickets they can sell. So like after the speakers are all done, you go out in this lobby and they people can talk to you. Out of all the speakers, I think I had probably 60 to 70 people lined up to talk to me just to tell me they think the same thing and they wish more people would talk about it. Oh. Like wow. they, they, they understand that kindness really does matter, but no one talks about it. And I was just, and it was just a, such a cool experience. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a wild experience. Then drove home in a blizzard from Canada, which was also <laughs> a, a whole other story. But uh, yeah, that came from just two talks with high school kids, and yeah. it really just been my philosophy. Like I just, I, I've always believed in just you know, doing things for people without any expectation of anything in return. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's about. Like just being kind. And like yeah, I'll help you. I don't need anything in return. Mm -hmm. The world has a funny way of working itself out. Yeah. It really you'll, does. You'll I mean, live karma. longer with that approach too. Yeah, it really, <laughs> it really is. And I can I can point back to most of my big business deals all came from me being kind to someone that connected me to someone that connected me to someone. Like literally, the biggest deals in my life have been all from just simple acts of kindness. Yeah, and it's just been my philosophy. So there were two cool experiences. I'm definitely I'm in the process of writing my next book, but it's gonna it's gonna nice. take some time. This one's a little bit more heavy. Yeah. Um, so it's a heavier topic. So um, hopefully in the next year, year and a half, it'll be out. So in actual writing time, how long did it take you? For uh, now he's got <laughs> AI, babe. I mean, <laughs> actual <laughs> writing time? In a, yeah, the first book. I mean, it probably took me actually sitting down and writing probably 24 hours of just writing. So I, I would, I kind of followed the Tim Ferriss philosophy, write 250 shitty words a day. So like I would just write to, to I got to a number stop or keep going if I wanted to go. And then the next day I'd read it, edit it and write again. And that's, that's what it was. So, um, that's actual writing. I know it took me, you know, a year and a half to kind of do it because getting cover design, you know, you have a an actual, you know, content editor, then a grammar editor, formatting editor, kind of figure out all those pieces. Um, so that took, now I know how to do it. So it'll be a lot quicker, but the one I'm writing now is going to just take me a lot more time to write. Cause it's more of a, it's about kind of like the the hard journey I've been through, like that, the, the you know the the dark journey through the you know the the shadow self and how mm -hmm. you you, you kind of emerge on the other side of change. Person, you kind of look at the darkness in yourself, and that's really what this book is about. So it's it's taking a little bit longer to write, but it's it's more of a passion project for me. So it's a business podcast. Did you make any money on that book? No, 
No, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, you you don't make any money on books. I mean, on self-publishing books, I mean, you might make a couple bucks, uh, you know, a copy. And I mean, I sold, you know, I, I sold a bunch the first day to get on the bestseller list. Like there, that's what I learned about book marketing, right? You've got to drive a bunch of sales your first day to get to the top. Like I got to a top spot on Amazon. So I could say I'm a best-selling author, right? Didn't stay there for more than a week, but, but you, you made the top spot, you take a screenshot, like, cool, I'm a best-selling <laughs> author. So I maybe sold, you know, 1,000, 2,000 copies. It cost me about that to do all the pub, do all the editing. So it's probably about break-even. Yep. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll get like, a deposit in my account from someone that bought the book. I'm like, oh, people are still buying this because it's all self-published, right? They print on demand, so. Yeah, still, yeah. On, still on Amazon? Mm -hmm. People yeah. are listening and want to grab it? I mean, people have bought it. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. we'll I mean, put a link in the in the yeah. thing here. I mean, yeah, I'll make a dollar ten on that link. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but you use it for marketing, so you do. You yeah, it was more. Yeah. I don't even really use it now. It's more just it's something to add to my resume, right? It's like yeah, yeah. when people hear like, "Oh, you're an author." I'm like, yeah, I could I, give you something to talk about. That's yeah. also why we did the radio too. Like the radio, yeah. when we did the radio podcast, it was more. Yeah, I did a radio show for you. Like that was hard because like, I'm on live radio. I can't swear. I'm like, oh, like, that was the hardest thing. I swore one time in 52 weeks. It was like, we got to episode 30, and I said, shit. I was like, oh, man, I thought I was going to make it. Followed it away. up with, motherfucker. <laughs> both of us, myself and Eric, both swore on that episode. It was like, he said, piss, and I said, shit, within like 30 seconds of each other. And our what producer was that was dumping. It was um, Beaver County Radio. So Saturday mornings, it's, it started as we call it the entrepreneur life. And then halfway through the year, we switched it to called How We See It. Okay. It was just like two guys talking about current events and politics. We would just go off the rails. And like yeah. people would call in and just ask stupid ass questions. <laughs> and, it, and we would just, we never, like people thought we had like a plan every week. We would literally meet in Moon and drive to the station on Saturday mornings. We're like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> we would literally just show up and just start talking. And Eric was always very good at just teeing up a question. Then I would just take off with it, and then we'd turn into, and we did it for two hours, a two-hour show, wow. like live radio, like with commercials. Yeah. So it was definitely, it was tough, but it was a lot of fun. I don't, I don't know that I would do it again because the time slot sucked and it wasted a whole Saturday for me. Right. But it was definitely, it was a fun experience, definitely. That's pretty slick. Yeah, it was fun. So you made a name for yourself in four four years I guess, through radio books. That. I just yeah. I'm just me. Like I always say, I'm just a normal dude that happens to practice law, and I'm having fun doing it. I mean, that's really it. It's um, it's just you know I just I don't feel like I work. I feel like I just live life and have own a business and work with cool people and have an amazing team, have amazing friends, and just. Yeah, I'm just having fun. Like, this is what life's about, man. Pull the sword card, get the 777, yeah. and that keep was, I rolling, mean, you know? That, I mean, I'm, I, I mean that's still, still yeah, to this day, I get chills when I think about it because it was it was my turning point. Like, I was that close to giving up and being like, I'm done. Like, I can't. I don't know what to do. Like, I can't. Yeah. I'm putting my family at risk. Like, I'm jeopardizing everything I built. Like, for what? Like, what the fuck am I doing? And it was like those moments that just changed it all for me, and it was, yeah. it was a huge turning point. I always feel like that's like more like to me that's more inspiring than like hey I started this mm -hmm. you know from nothing and I built it up like when when I did what I did it was the better my family situation there was mm -hmm. like really no going backwards at that yeah. point but for you to take that leap of faith you know, yeah yeah it's definitely. a big one yeah it was definitely <laughs> it was at the time like I'm a risk taker I don't always think when I do shit and I'm like after I did I'm like huh okay well I guess I just jumped so got to figure this one out and that was. <laughs> It was right. definitely, it was one of those situations they say, you know, jump and build the parachute on the way down. Because that's yeah. literally what I did. Because I had no plan. 
Right. That's awesome. I just knew I didn't want to be there anymore. You have a New York office now too. So how'd that expansion come about? So we, so <laughs> it's, it's actually a pretty funny story. Um, I guess COVID uh, did that impact you as well? No, it was. It's like a satellite office. Okay, um, so you were good. But it started because I was doing a transaction. So New York's rules, their ethics rules, say, hey, you can practice in New York for transactional stuff if your client has some relation to your home state. So it's like I had a client in Pennsylvania that was buying a New York business. Yeah, I was dealing with the the sellers' attorneys who were these two old dudes, like super old guys. They would not deal with me unless I had a New York license. Okay. So I was like, you motherfuckers. So I literally, I applied to get a New York bar. Like, I didn't have to take the bar exam. I was, I can just wave in. So I applied to get a New York license. I'm like, okay, I'll do this. I said, now I'm going to advertise all around where you're located just to be a dick. <laughs> so that's why we got the New York office because I had, they, they would not deal with me on this transaction unless I was licensed in New York. So I filed for the application and then we decided, and then I have some clients up there in our neck. We want to open in, in uh, Nashville and then Florida as well. Oh, nice. Those are the next two offices we want to open. So we want to expand into the areas we already service. So, um, but now New York's kind of like a shithole. It's gotten, it's went way downhill. Yeah. So, um, I don't plan on going there anytime soon. So we just have the office location there. Are you planning to move to Florida for tax purposes? No, I, we, uh, my wife and I have talked about buying a place down there. Yeah. Um, but they just went up in price like ridiculous, yeah, like three yeah. X. Yep. Where are you looking? So we we were looking in Miami. We went down there last uh, <clears throat> last March, and our driver actually was a real estate agent. And there was a building I had looked at a couple of years prior for condos. They were like four hundred grand for a condo. They're now selling for one point three, sight unseen. Yeah. <laughs> and he said it's people from New York and California that are selling their houses, moving to Florida. That one point three for a condo on the beach, they don't care. Yeah. You know, that, that was like nothing to them. Right. They're buying them sight unseen. So I'm just like, well, looks like I'm not buying in Florida anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also realized how expensive, I didn't realize how expensive the insurance is yeah. on yeah. a condo, like on the beach, like 20 grand a year. Yeah, especially in Miami. Right. I was, so I love yeah. going to Miami, but probably not going to buy a place down there. <laughs> um, somewhere else. But, but, but I definitely want to open an office down there because I think there's a huge, huge opportunity. A lot of snowbirds from here go yeah. down there, I think. The demographic of some of the older business and estate planning lawyers down there it's just an older demographic they're not modern i think we can go down there and really crush it nice. so that's kind of our on our two-year plan yeah. yeah nice yeah yeah we my wife and i just went down i have a i have an aunt that lives in uh lives near fort myers like estero okay. uh which is on the gulf side uh like southwest and uh we went down spent the weekend and then we while we were down there she took us down to like naples okay and, um and my wife and I, every time we go on a vacation somewhere, we stay somewhere, we think, you know, it'd be nice to yeah. one of these days buy a property that's yeah. somewhere else, do vacation rental, yep. uh, somewhere to stay. Mm-hmm. But every time we go somewhere, you know, like we went to Myrtle Beach last year, and I'm like, yeah, I just don't like it here yeah. enough to spend the money. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's cool, but yeah. like I'm not going to spend $400,000 for a place down here, and I don't like it that much <laughs> to come here every year. Um, but when we went down... We flew into Fort Myers, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever flew into Fort Myers mm-hmm. Airport. It's the best airport ever. Really? It's tiny. Okay. But, like, I left. We stayed with my aunt. We okay. left to come home at, like, we left her condo at 730 in the morning on a Monday. I was eating a bagel at my gate at 755. Yeah, Through like security. Like that. That's fast. Just man. sitting at the bag. you sitting there eating a bagel that okay. we bought at the airport. It's just, it's small, but security was like super fast getting through. It was great and easy to get to. Um, so the airport's amazing. 
But then, you know, we spent some time in, like, North Naples and Naples. The the beaches there are incredible. The area, it there's, it's not super touristy because yeah. it's all snowbirds. Yeah, so I heard about Naples. I and, heard it was awesome. That's where Matt wants to put our office in Naples. And we were down there in October. Okay. Which is, it was nice. It was, yeah. like, 85. So it was warm. That's a lot nicer than here. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, like, it was dead. And she's like, oh. yeah, it doesn't get busy here till December. And from December till April... It's like madhouse crazy. Okay. Everything's busy. Other than that, there's never anybody here. Huh. So I'm looking at it like, you know, I'll never be able to use it from yeah. December to April because I have tax, tax season. season. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm like, you know, I wonder if I could buy a place yeah. and then rent it out to a snowbird and cover my cost. Yeah. Or at least most of it. That's smart uh, idea. But... Man, I'm looking at these places and I'm looking at the prices and I, you know, I know like my aunt moved down prior to COVID. She went down there and, you know, so I know what, you know, what it cost her to move down and I'm looking and I'm like, man, you know, these places are really expensive now. And then you, you know, you go on Zillow and it tells you what they just sold for. (laughs) And it's like 2020, it sold for like 189 or two, 250. Yeah. And now it's five twenty-five. Yeah, and you're crazy. like, what the fuck? How the like everything that's a, that's was two or three increase, times? Man, it's crazy. Yeah. Because we go to Key West, to Florida. When we go to Key West in February, like especially with Jimmy Buffett just passing, it's like everybody was like, oh, it's that island lifestyle, yeah. you know? Well, it's a million dollars for a one bedroom, one bath, <laughs> and you can't get insurance on it. Oh. Like a lot of those places are uninsurable because really? they're in floodplains and like. Oh. Like Sunset Key, the lots are three million bucks. It's it's and you can't get insurance. Oh my so God. you can have a five yeah. to ten million dollar investment that's uninsurable. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pass on that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think Naples is a spot. Yeah, so that's what yeah. talked about. And, uh, I've heard about that. But I I too like I would like the, you know in the two three year plan, yeah. but I got you got to wait. The prices have to come down. They have to come down. But I think yeah. they will. I mean, I think everything right now is inflated because nobody wants to sell anything because they have good rates. And everybody's rushing to Florida because of the communism everywhere else. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and, uh, it's it's like freedom down there, man. It's crazy. It's like, we can do anything we want down here. That's great. Let's go there. It's a different world down there. I mean, that's why I love Um, it. But I don't know that I'd move there, but I'll get a place on there. Yeah. I'd like, that's exactly it. Like I can't, especially like my business is here. Yes, exactly. You know, it, it would be very difficult to be able to yes. move down there. But um, but I could see buying a place that I could go down a few weeks yeah, a year, you definitely. know, a few weeks here, a few weeks there, yep. and um, and get to enjoy it and then rent it out for the yeah. rest of the time. Absolutely. But, I mean, we spent we spent Saturday while we were down there in in the Gulf, and I we floated around on a pool noodle in the Gulf for like yeah. four hours. I'm like, this is great. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice to relax every once in a while. Man. Yeah, <laughs> so I do love it. I didn't post it on Facebook. Though. Yeah, did it happen if you didn't post it on Facebook? <laughs> right, exactly. I, I think the last family vacation I took, I looked at my phone. I took like seventeen pictures in a week. Yeah, <laughs> like man, my yeah. wife, my wife takes a lot of pictures. Yeah, that. I don't take any. <laughs> yeah. So I catch myself like every once in a while, I'm just like, hey, let me see your phone. I want to like go through the, all all of yeah. the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Fun to look back. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. yeah. So, what's next for Rocco Coza? Just finish out the year strong, man. That's. I mean, we're you know we're kind of. It's gonna be the next couple weeks should be interesting because we're planning out next year, like putting all these new plans in place, these new metrics in place. So it's. 
I just want to, we're really busy right now too, which is crazy. So it's, I'm just trying to finish out the year strong, you know, hopefully relax the last week of the year. And then, you know, we have big goals for 20, you know, we, you know, we, we crushed, we'll probably crush our push goal this year. And then coming in the next year, we're going to, we want to push it even more. So it's, it's do a you, big year. Do you think, and I'm, I mean, my business is Landmark's been around longer mm-hmm. than Kozala, but I started right after the last recession, mm-hmm. right? I, I incorporated in 2010. So we are definitely in a recession, whether they want to change the definition sure. of a recession or not. We are in a recession um, and probably going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Do you foresee any issues? So let me start with this. So I think even though I've not gone through a recession, mm-hmm. I feel like like during COVID and during some of the you know more depressed economic times that we have been around my business has actually grown yeah. because i feel like when people lose their jobs more people decide it's time to go out on their own mm-hmm. um so i think that my business uh my accounts receivable grows mm-hmm. <laughs> but the um is a little bit recession proof in that yeah. sense mm-hmm. um how's your business gonna i be? i mean we same we, yeah we grew during covid like i i think because again during the recession right people either want to start their own businesses or they want to sue somebody for something. <laughs> I mean, so it's, I mean, we're on both sides of that, right? Our, our clients are getting sued and people are starting business. And I think, again, I think it, it boils down to like why I think we're, we're successful is one, we, we have reasonable rates for the service we provide. Like we're underpriced for the market for what we do. We provide exceptional customer service and client service. And we're just honest with our clients. Like a lot of the, the firms we compete against and we're getting clients from the big firms that, you know, I've been practicing, tw- I've been practicing 20, 20 years, almost 21 years. You know, in a big city, my hourly rate would be about 2000 an hour. Like I benchmarked this. In Pittsburgh, my rate should be about 950 an hour. It's 400 an hour. You know, so it's, we're way underpriced. For, I don't need to charge that much. So I think because of that, and they get the expertise of our entire team, we've, I've never, we've only ever increased. We've never had, the way our revenue typically goes, it, you know, we'll have an increase, we'll level out for a couple months, we'll increase again. We've never had a level off and dip. And since the firm has been in existence, it's always leveled up, level off, level up, level off. It's consistent. I mean, I can look back historically, it's a, it's a three to six month window where we go up, three to six month window where we level off and keep going up. So we just... We find what's wrong, we make adjustments, we break systems, rebuild them, and then move on to the next level. So I, I mean, knock on wood, I don't, I don't foresee, <laughs> yeah, I don't foresee that happening. I mean, anything could happen, but, but to me, if it does decrease, like I'm a pressure player. So I, I'll, I invite the pressure, I'll figure out a way to make it work. Me too. That's how I look at it. So no, I mean, it's, it's, but yeah, it's, I think it's gonna be 2024 is gonna be an exciting year, I think. We have some good plans in place. You know, we're going to really, you know, take our found. We have a foundation as well to take that to the next level. So, um, you know, raise some more money for that, and then get into the schools and do a little bit more if we want to do with our foundation. But it's just having fun, man. Just having fun. It's just you know, just yeah. enjoying every day as much as I can. It's awesome. While I'm here. Yeah, the nice thing about working for yourself now and not being in the corporate world, you're not going to get that box handed to you and yeah. you're done. So, like, yep. even if, say, Jerry thinks, and I also kind of agree with his sentiment that we are going to go into a worse economic time moving forward, yep. we were all in a position where yeah. we're not going to have to face that burden. Right. You know, it will be a hard conversation maybe with an employee or two. Yeah. 
but we'll be fine because we'll yeah. just keep going and doing yeah. what we're doing. Exactly. You know, it's exactly right. So, yeah, if you have if you have that work. if you have that grind and that hustle in you, you always find a way to make it work. Yeah. Yep. That's how I look at it. It's just you know, there's, there's that's never going to stop for me. So I think everyone in this room is kind of the same way. So it's, yeah, you seem like you shoot people straight too. So that's yeah, that's pretty I mean, big that's, in law that you don't see that very often. Well, that's so. what, when, when, it's funny because people's like, are you like really is that simple? Like, yeah, it's that simple. Like you yeah. don't need to complicate things. I mean, people will call our firm just because we make things very simple. It's like I'm not gonna. I, I can't tell you how many clients they say, "Don't pay me to do that." Like I don't want to take your money for this. Like a, like one of my large clients today wanted to sue somebody i'm like this is gonna co- this will cost 100 grand i said you're not gonna win i said i don't want to do not do this like i'm happy to do it for you but i don't want to take your money and this is a waste of money i mean this could have this could have made our firm a hundred thousand dollars in fees but i'm like no like what this is i know it's not gonna work they don't have any money you're never gonna get you're never gonna collect you just want to do it out of spite so no let's move on so it's i just try and honestly in business just shoot straight with people that's it it's it's very simple and it's, if you do that, it's hard not to be successful, truly. Agreed. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> One of our biggest scams in our industry, and I'll say it on the air because I really don't care, is wedding gown preservation. People make so much money on preserving oh, wedding gowns. Wedding gowns in a fucking box. You probably spent a never, bunch of money on it. Yep, probably 300 bucks. Never, oh. never will do anything with it. Maybe yeah. your kids will cut it up for something. Yeah, why do they do that? Like, they, what is the point? They of that? have this whole. It's been like this thing for hundreds of years. Like, it seems like it's been like a shtick forever. I fell and, for that scam. And people will come in and be like, "Hey, I, I want this preserved." I'm like, "It's going to be three hundred dollars. I'll do it." Yeah. But your gown is polyester. It's not silk like right. it was fifty mm. years ago, where it's going to yellow. It's never going to yellow. Put it in a Tupperware container. Throw it in your, under your bed. You'll be fine. You know what oh, I mean? Like, but man. they'll people will say, "Oh, we." We're the best wedding gown preservation company out there. They're Where were you 16 companies. years ago? Right. <laughs> Full-blown companies. I, and I do it all day, every day at the counter. Like people, like maybe once, and that's yeah. a big ticket item for me. And I'm just like, I can't justify it. Like, yeah, I understand it, that completely. It's very sad. And then and businesses, big businesses do it all yeah. day long. You know, oh, I'm sure. Like I'm sure they do. Your competitor would have been like, that's going to put us over the end for the year here. We're going to just do it and bill it now. <laughs> I saw one of my competitors. I mean, they're a bigger firm in a bigger market. I saw their rate card for what they charge. Mm. It made, they're librarians. Librarians. 900 an hour. They're partners. Like my level, 2,700 an hour. Wow. Associates. Like first year associates that are still wet behind the years, 1,200 an hour. That's what that was a rate card. What they were charging a Pittsburgh firm. They're a large firm, but they have a presence in Pittsburgh. I'm not going to say the name. That was the rate card I saw. A library. I'm like, well, who needs a fucking librarian? Like, yeah. we, need, we use the internet. Like, what? What are you billing a library at nine hundred? I was going to ask you if you had a librarian. No, I mean we have a bookshelf that has some books. But I mean, I look at them every once in a while. But I mean, I just kind of go like this on my computer and find it. Like, I'm the yeah. librarian. Like it was crazy to me. So yeah, I think honesty in business and you know good business practices and ethics you know goes a long way today. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I guess one more. You mentioned your foundation. What yeah. are they all about? What is that? Yeah. So we start last year. We started. Uh, it's called the CLG Foundation. So yeah. it's something we did a gala last year, and we were gonna, you know, we were doing it. You know, kind of a testing it out like as a marketing tool for some of our like larger clients. We were going to partner with a nonprofit. So we have so many nonprofits that we work with. It was hard to pick one. Mm. I've always wanted to start a foundation. Yeah. So we started the CLG Foundation. The premise of it is to 
go into underprivileged school districts and teach kids about entrepreneurship. Nice. And what we're going to do is we're raising money to do like a Shark Tank competition. Yeah. So basically, it, you know, we didn't we didn't do it this year. We still need to build more of the foundation itself, the infrastructure. But we're going to do our gala again. This we already have it scheduled for this May, and then we raise money. Then the following school year, we'll go in in the in the fall and talk, have some of our clients come in that didn't go to college, that took a non-traditional path, go into these underprivileged schools and talk to kids about college isn't the only answer. And then in the spring, we're going to do a Shark Tank competition where we'll give you know the winner a $10,000 investment to start their business. Awesome. And it doesn't have to be like some crazy, it could be literally a landscaping business. Yeah. But you put the idea together, a business plan, we'll have advisors come in to help with that. And really, like I want to empower kids to show them there's a different path, right? Because a lot of these kids, like I've been to these school districts, you know, they're so smart and they have such work ethic, but there's no one there. They don't know the way because there's no one there showing them. They don't have the exposure to it. So if we can go in and just change one kid's life, like to me, that's all that matters. So that's why we started it. And it's just, it's something I'm very passionate about because I can't, you know, I came from a low income city and, you know, no one, I didn't know anything about this. I kind of taught it all and learned it all myself. And, I just see that the world could be such a different place if kids were empowered and given hope and inspiration at a younger age. I think the world would look completely different 10 years from now. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think it all starts in education. Yeah, you it know, does. If you, can, if you can level the playing field at a young age, you wouldn't have to level the playing field at an old age. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's just giving kids hope. Like that's yeah. how, There's so many kids out there that – I just don't think have it because of where they where they were brought up or how they were brought up and just giving them, you know, hey, we're here to help you. We can guide you and mentor you. And just, like I said, changing one kid's life would be amazing. You know, if we can change a thousand kids' life, it'd be tremendous. So that's the goal. That's, that's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. All right, Rocco, how do people get a hold of you if uh, want to reach oh, out? Yeah, I mean, you, you want to sue someone or start uh, <laughs> Well, if you want to sue somebody or start or, a business, you could yeah. uh, definitely go to our website, cozalaw.com. All of our contact information is there. I mean, I'm pretty active on social media, so my Insta- I'm very active on Instagram probably the most, and my yeah. handle is just the Rocco Coza, all one word. Mm-hmm. Facebook, we have you know our Facebook page, Coza Law. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm on there as well. So, I mean, you could pretty much, if you search my name on Google, you can find me. I'm there somewhere. So, but yeah, feel free to reach out to me. Like we, you know, we never charge for consultations. We're always happy to give a second opinion. Sometimes companies just want a second look, like just to get a second opinion. We would never charge for that. So I'm just looking to help people. I think that wraps it up. This awesome. has uh, been a, a, a very uh, interesting episode. Yeah. We appreciate the time. No, I know you're a busy guy. No, so I appreciate it. Was, uh, this was awesome. This was a blast. Uh, another episode of Between Two Bridges. Love it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Until next time. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for listening to Between Two Bridges, a business-to-business podcast. Find and follow us on your preferred podcast streaming platform. Like and subscribe and leave us a rating and review. You can join us socially on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Yes, we still call it Twitter. You can email the show at info at between two bridges podcast.com. Until next time, make it till you rake it.